Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk with Denise Masser, an adoptee, a mom through adoption, and author of the new book called Matched. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. This is episode 67. My name's Tim Elder. I'm a dad through adoption three times. And this podcast is all about domestic infant adoption. We give you the inspiration, the hope, so you can adopt faster with more confidence, less headaches, and just know that it can be done. Thousands of people have done it, and you can too. So thanks for joining me today. I highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast because I don't know about you. I just love podcasts. I subscribe to a lot of them. And you can do, you can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes or Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify. We're everywhere. And when you do that, you get to know when the newest episodes are released and you can listen to any or all of the 67 current episodes we got out there. So highly encourage you to do that. So today we're talking with Denise Masser. She is she wrote the book Matched, and it's about her and her husband, how they searched for nine months with, for an expectant mom who's looking to make an adoption plan for, their, for her baby, and how the journey to adopt, along with the journey to find her own birth mom, would change their lives forever. It's really a powerful story. We get into that today in the interview with Denise. Let's get into it right now. All right. Welcome to the show, Denise. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Tim? Fabulous, and I appreciate you coming on the show. You, know, you have a really unique voice in the adoption world and uh we're going to talk about uh, your story a little bit and your book so i'm really I'm, I'm so thankful you actually wrote a book because so many people have these adoption stories that are so amazing and we talk to them but to put it in a book and which i know is a lot of work is is fabulous and i can't wait for you to to share that with the folks so um thank you for coming on and we're going to talk about your book and we're going to talk about your story. Uh, but I first want to just ask you what, what led you to write the book? So the book is called matched. It's your memoirs, but what led you to write the book? Well, it's kind of like what you were just saying, where when we started the adoption process, I had no idea what to expect. And I was looking for any kind of guidance. Like what can I expect? What, what are birth moms like? What will I have to do? to find a birth mom, what will that first conversation be like? Um, you know, what are these women really like? I had never known anyone who was a birth mom and I had never known anybody who'd done adoption, modern adoption. Of course I'm adopted, but modern adoption is a whole different thing. And so when we actually started going through the process, it was just crazy. I mean, it was unlike anything I had expected. And the first birth mom to contact us had, she reached out via email and she told me that she had actually been raped twice and she was unsure who the father was the last month of her, um, or several months of her pregnancy. She was so ashamed and, um, she used drugs and alcohol to just kind of knock herself out at night. And, um, that was the very first email I received from a birth mom. And after that, you know, I, we spoke to a birth mom who was homeless and living out of a hotel. And we spoke to a birth mom who was kind of hiding from a man she had a restraining order against. And these stories, when I would tell friends and family, this is what we're, this is what we're doing. And this is, you know, these are the women I'm talking to. Nobody could believe it. They just had no idea that it was like that. People have this image of people sitting at home waiting for the call, you know, just you and your husband or, you know, 
singles just waiting for that call serenely at home and it it just isn't like that but it's still beautiful and i wanted people to actually know what it is like yeah absolutely and in the book you tell some of the story be about how you were an adoptee growing up as an adoptee correct yes yeah, yeah. um yeah i do because it it really is kind of a full circle story it's yeah. about the adoption of our son henry in very modern times and um some of the things you know that i just shared and then my own adoption which was back in 1972 and um back then everything was closed and for instance my birth mom at the hospital after giving birth to me you know signed the paperwork for the social worker and then never knew what happened to me. That was it. She was 17 years old. She gave her baby up for adoption, um, saw me once, and signed away the papers, and then just never knew if I was okay, if she'd made a good choice. And, you know, then with our son, we his birth mom chose us, you know, from the Dear Birth Mom letter, which is all another, you know, thing that we as a helpful adoptive parents go through that's so crazy and hard. But, um, you know, Henry's birth mom chose us for very personal reasons to her after reading this letter. And then she got to know us and meet us and um, literally put Henry in my arms. So, yeah, that being adopted back in the 70s versus open adoption today is basically two different worlds. And that's another reason I wanted to write the book, too. Yeah. What a unique perspective. I mean, it's just amazing. I've, I've started reading it because you have the two or the first two chapters available on your website and, and uh, that's denisemasser.org, which I'll share in the show notes. So don't worry about if you're driving or anything and you want to write these links down or don't worry about it. We'll go to the show notes and just listen to the end and we'll, we'll give you that uh, place to go and find all these links. But in the book, you were talking, you, you start with your story about being an adoptee and you start telling your whole story. And like you said, the adoption has changed so much over the years and you have their new perspective of seeing the closed side and now seeing the open openness of adoption. But you also have two biological children and you go into that in the book as well, but what led you and your husband to want to adopt? What got you to that point? Well, what happened is we thought we were done and then um, we did get pregnant a third time and then and getting pregnant and having babies had always been easy for my husband and I, we had, you know, we, we didn't go through infertility. Um, but with the third pregnancy at the nine week appointment, we were told that there was no heartbeat. I'm sure some of your listeners have been through that and it is absolutely devastating. And the fetus, um, didn't expel naturally. So I had what's called a DNC, um, where basically the fetus has to be removed. And after that happened, as many women do, I just slipped into a depression. I, I was just so sad. We had already imagined that child and, you know, as we all do, holding up little hoodies in Target and, and dreaming of who this child will be. Um, and so I went through a depression for about a month, or sorry, a year, it was a low-level depression. And then um, we had the most interesting thing happen in our family I was adopted, but before I was adopted, in between my older brother and I, my parents had adopted another newborn baby girl, and she unfortunately died. And 
her birth mom, like 47 years later, also a very close adoption, but back in the 70s, her birth mom sent our family a letter, or my parents actually, saying, you know, I've always wondered, could you send me pictures of her? And it was just this a really small thing, a letter came to our family, but I think it shook us all up in different ways and made us think about things. It was a shock to my parents because it was a closed adoption. They'd never heard from this woman. Um, it was a shock to the birth mom to hear that her, her baby had died and there was some drug use there. So it was by the birth mom. So it was really, really tough letter. But what it did for me is it made me think adoption, which is crazy, Tim, because I'm adopted. I should have been thinking, <laughs> you know, adoption all along, but it took that letter, that monumental letter, and I was just stirring my coffee in the kitchen one day, depressed, um, you know, trying to work. And that letter, I was kind of ruminating on it. And I thought, adoption. And the moment that clicked, it was so crystal clear to me that there, I knew there was a baby out there. I kept feeling it in my heart the way women do. You know if you're meant to have another baby in your family. And so ultimately, it was the miscarriage, then coupled with this letter that came a year later that, that made me realize, oh. Adoption, duh, of course, that's what we're meant to do. Wow, wow. Yeah, that's really amazing that that, that letter would uh, shake you up like that, but it does it does make sense. I mean, it, adoption is uh, no small feat, but like you said, that you, you have that in your heart that you know you want your family to grow your family, and so... Go ahead. Yeah, and, and it was something that um, Pete and I had talked about, you know, when we were dating. I think any any adopted person does this when, mm. when you start dating someone or getting close to someone, you let them know that you're adopted and their response to that is huge. Mm. And it will usually, you know, it's going to gauge how much, how much closer you get to that person, what you choose to tell them. So when Pete and I were dating and I told him I was adopted and I might want to adopt, you know, if we had had a heartbeat of trouble um, conceiving, it would have been adoption for us you know, all the way for all of our children. Mm. So but when I told him, you know, that I was adopted and I would like to adopt, he was like, yep, awesome. I'm totally into it. Like no problem, nice. which is so beautiful because, yes. you know, some men are very like my loin, my jeans. Right. And um, so it was really beautiful to me that he was, he had none of that. So it was pretty easy for you to both get on board with adoption, even after this letter, correct? <laughs> Yeah, it, well, well, I I would say uh, for me, obviously, it was for Pete. <laughs> I told him, uh, you know, we put the kids to bed one night, and I said, you know, I still have this ache in my heart, not for the baby that we lost, but just there's a baby, there's a baby out there, and we have more love to give, and and I um, I think we should adopt our third child, and I just I really feel this strongly. I think I even had like a Word document. You know, I had all my points out <laughs> on why we should adopt. My husband's very practical. And um, he said, give me a couple months to think about it. Or no, he said, give me some time. And then I said, how long? And he said, a couple months. And I said, okay. And uh, a couple months later, he was on the road and he just called me. I was in, the, I was in Dairy Queen actually getting the, the other kids dinner. <laughs> and he just called from the road and said, let's do it. So I guess, yes, it was relatively easy, but we didn't come to it at the same time. Yeah, that's very cool that 
he knew he needed time, asked for time, you gave him time, and you kind of you you came together. That's that's important. I don't know a lot of people struggle with that. That uh, maybe one or the other is not on on board or at the same point yes. of acceptance of wanting to adopt. So, yeah, when I hear couples, or when you hear you know from one side of a couple that they're wanting to adopt and the other one's not on board, my heart goes out to them because I always just feel like if the, if this this other partner who's not sure could see into the future, yeah. they would they would embrace it. Fully, it's just they're just not sure yet. Um, so yeah, my heart always goes out to the people who are trying to get there together. Yeah, and giving them time and is very important. So, okay, let's move on. Yeah. Um, I want you to talk about um, this was back in 2014 or actually 2013, probably right when you started the process. Yeah. Adopt. Yeah. Yeah. So you got uh, you started the process to adopt, and who did you contact? Who did you know to contact when you? we're going to start. Okay. I didn't know anything. And so I sat at my computer and I typed in best adoption attorney in LA. Okay. (laughs) I just thought, you know, I don't know where to start. So I'll start (laughs) there. And the adoption attorney that we use, it did turn out to be that man that I found online. and, And I totally scrutinized everything I could online to see if there was anything, you know, poorly written about how he'd handled anything. It was nothing but rave reviews. And then um, Pete and I went to speak with him. I think there was like an hour and a half consultation was the first visit. And I walked in there, you know, like I said earlier in our conversation, I walked in there thinking that he was just going to tell us, well, it'll take a year, maybe a year and a half. And, um, you know, I'll do all the work. I'll find the birth mom <laughs> for you. I'll have all those birth mom conversations. And basically I would just like deliver you your bundle. And we sat down and he told us, you guys can do that, but you'll wait a heck of a lot longer. You know, and today at least 50% of my clients find their own birth mom. And I would highly encourage you guys to do the same, you know, get on Facebook, mail everybody, you know, a letter telling them, um, email everyone, you know, and just find all sorts of creative ways to find a woman who will give you her baby. And I walked out of his office in shock. I mean, I couldn't, I had no idea that, that we were going to be a part of it. And when I say we, I actually kind of mean me because although my husband was super engaged and wanted the adoption, when it comes to finding birth moms, I found this to be true um, as well as a lot of the reading that I did that the birth moms really are mostly they want to talk to the mom. They want to talk to the adoptive mom. That is who they're basing the majority of their decision around. And then, you know, they're going to want to have those phone calls with the woman. They're going to want to email the woman, text the woman. Um, Pete was always on Skype, of course, and he's super involved. I don't want to discredit that, but in the adoption process, um, it's going to be mostly mom to mom in the decision-making process. And that, and that's how I would feel too. So it feels very natural to me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you started the process. You were shocked that you had to be so involved. Uh, how did you learn how to oh, be yeah. involved? I mean, how did you learn everything you needed to know to even, I mean, Hey, apparently he led you a little bit there, go to Facebook, go to, you know, mail some letters off and stuff, but how did you even know 
what to write or how to engage or find a woman who wants to make an adoption plan for a baby? I There's one book that was my absolute Bible through the whole thing. Randall Hicks, How to Adopt a Baby um, in a Year or Less. Some mm, of the titles are very right, similar to that. Right. Uh, and that book, I basically took it like I was a college kid and that was a textbook <laughs> and I just did everything it said. So, uh, you know, obviously Facebook came natural to me. I think all of us are on their way too much anyway. And, but in his book, it said some of the more crazy things that, that I fully embraced were ask your female friends and family members to talk to their OBGYNs for you on your behalf and tell them that they know a family who's hoping to grow their family with adoption and send every woman, you know, like five of your one page flyers. Oh, and that's the other thing Randy Hicks says, you know, have not only your dear birth mom letter, but a one page flyer you can hand out to basically the guy who comes to fix your dishwasher. Like (laughs) any, this hand, this one page flyer out to, everyone you meet, which I did. And then I I mailed those one page flyers to all the women in our life to give to their OBGYN. And I know for your listeners who are new, this is sounds so gauche and just like, what? And I felt that way too. OBGYN is a little bit personal to start talking to, you know, your acquaintances at church. But I felt that way too, until I called my own OB and I told her what we were doing. And she said, oh, yeah, I know two women right now who absolutely do not want to parent. They're not keeping their babies. I'll give me your flyer like the next time I see them. Wow. So it it really takes some getting out of your comfort zone. But, yeah, I mean, the Randall Randall Hicks book was absolutely my Bible. I would, I would advise anybody to get it. Great book. We'll put that link in the show notes to that book. Yes, for sure. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. So so you get down to the road and you're, you're doing all the stuff that the book says to do. You're making some connections, and obviously, you, you alluded to this earlier. You made several connections with women that are in very precarious situations. And how many did you get through? How many w- different women did you talk to before one said, "Yeah, I want to match with you"? And, you, and it, was, it was something real, something that was going to happen. The birth mom um, who ended up being our son's birth mom was number eight. Oh wow! And this is yeah, over a period were, of like and, a year or. It took six months. Okay. Yeah. And so I know I was so interested in this, so I'll just tell your readers or your listeners, sorry. Four found us on Craigslist. Two found us on Facebook. One was the best friend of a neighbor down the street. And then the birth mom who found us um, found us through her lawyer. So through none of those avenues. But yeah, I mean, it's, the women found us all different ways and all different, you know, ways that we had put ourselves out there. You said she found you through her lawyer. So did her lawyer and your lawyer have a connection or how did she? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, they did. And that is one of the tips I would give anybody starting this. If you're doing domestic um, private adoption, I would have never known to ask my lawyer this. I didn't ask him this. We just lucked out, but a lot of lawyers work with other lawyers. And so this lawyer in Northern California um, was working with the woman who ended up being our birth mom. And she was asking for, I don't know what she asked for, but let's say, just say she asked for 
Um, I want a couple that lives, I'd love it them to live near the beach with a stay-at-home mom. And he didn't have anybody that he knew like that. And so he and our lawyer had this kind of relationship where they would call each other. And in my book, I talk about this as like adoptive parent go fish because he didn't have what she was looking for. So he called our lawyer and said, hey, you have a couple that lives near the beach with a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) And our lawyer said, I do, actually. So, I mean, that just cracks me up, that image. But first moms do have specific things they want, very. And we try to meet their needs just like lawyers try to meet what we're looking for. Um, and so, yeah, that's how, that's why I say her lawyer found us because he had a relationship with our lawyer. And that just goes to show you just never know, like you, you alluded to earlier, uh, you oh, put yeah. your, as much connection out there as you possibly can, cause you just never know where the connection is going to be made or through whom the yeah. connection is going to be made. So you might as well try everything or as much as you can. Absolutely. And I mean, the one where I say it was our neighbor down the street, this woman I'd never handed her a flyer. I'd handed out a bunch in our neighborhood, but I passed her by because she's older. She's never had any children. She's never been married. And so I thought, I just didn't feel like she was in that Mm -hmm. family genre. You know, I didn't even think of her as a possible person who could help me out, which is saying a lot because I pretty much saw everybody as somebody who could help me out back in those days. But I didn't give her a flyer. And um, ultimately she knocked on my door one day and said, actually my best friend's pregnant and she's considering adoption and it just floored me. So to your point, yes, you never know. (laughs) You never know. Okay. So let's talk about your connection with your son's birth mom. So she chose you and you started having this relationship with her, right? You had to talk about this and what, and everything leading up to the point where she gave birth to your son. And how much time was that when you first were introduced to her to when your son was born? Well, our story is um, a little bit different. All adoption stories are different, but ours, our birth mom chose us from her hospital bed after oh, giving birth. Wow. Okay. She did not make an adoption plan, just was in a major time of crisis in her life and just wasn't in a position to even make a plan, gotcha. just was not there. So she um, contacted her lawyer after giving birth. And then um, what she read Dear Birth Mom letters in her hospital bed and uh, chose us from there. So the first conversation my husband and I ever had with our birth mom was when we walked in her hospital room. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And what was it like? Completely awkward? <laughs> no. It- and, you know, it's so funny you say that because. I was very prepared, even before we were chosen, I, I was prepared for the most awkward conversations mm-hmm. of our life. And, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I was prepared to not feel bad about that. I mean, when a woman is giving you her child, it's not supposed to be super easy or super, yeah. you yeah. know, jolly. And it's, there's a lot of gravity to the situation. That being said, when we walked into her room, it was just a very real moment. Like we had these, you know, big flowers in my arms and I had to find a place to put the flowers. And we literally had to introduce ourselves. Although she knew us intimately from our letter, you know, we had to, hi, you know, I'm Denise. This is Pete. Um, We hugged. She, thank goodness, was so kind and immediately just said, you know, would you like to hold him? 
um, it was a beautiful moment. She didn't, I didn't have to ask, you know, she placed him in my arms. Um, and then we just had hours and hours of sitting in her hospital room, getting to know one another. And, and I write this in the book. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, like it would be with friends, like hanging out, you know, just talking, but it was pretty close. Like it was, it, it flowed. Um, we had lots and lots to talk about and it wasn't tons of awkward silences. Um, so our, our relationship with our birth mom was just very compact and intense. It, it all happened in that, um, hospital room. Yeah, that's amazing. And the emotion you felt when you first met and held your son, can you explain that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you can explain it, but can you try? I, I, I can try. Um, I, I'm luckily I have the history of already writing this moment in my book, but I think the, the way I can best explain it is, uh, as we were going through the adoption process, the birth moms and all that, um, you know, I was the one reading all the books. And so I would tell my husband like, um, and there were a few false starts. So we had Skyped with another woman and I would say, you know, you don't want to say this, the books say, or, or, or we should sure we should say this. And, um, and I know how yucky that sounds, but you know, I was telling my husband these tips on how we should talk to birth moms. And, um, but when my, our birth mom put our son in my arms in that hospital room, like, you know, a minute after we walked in, she put him in my arms and I just went and sat at the foot of the bed with him. And, uh, I don't, I, I have no idea what Pete said and our birth mom said to each other for like the next five to 10 minutes solid. I literally was gone. I was gone <laughs> from that room. It was just me and Henry. And I just, I, I knew they were chattering in the background, but I put him, um, I put him on my lap and he was all, you know, snuggled the way babies are in the hospital. He was all wrapped up and I, I took off his blanket and then that wasn't even enough. And so I took off his onesie cause I just wanted to see his skin and smell him. And, and, uh, I ran my, my cheek, you know, over his tummy and over his cheek. And I just said, hi, you know, hi, I'm your mama. And to be honest with and this might be helpful to any of your listeners, Obviously, I can't get through a story without crying. <laughs> but um, my husband and I, we already had two biological kids. And so we had had the frank conversation with each other, you know, laying in bed. Gosh, are, are we going to love our adopted child the same? Will it be identical or will it maybe be 1% less? You know, what will it really feel like? Because we loved Jack and Kate so much, you know, you would kill for your kids in a heartbeat. And we just couldn't imagine, could it possibly be like that? And I'm here to tell you guys, if anybody's worried about that, it is. It's exactly the same. And um, so, uh, yeah, without, you know, going on and on, which I could, that was the moment that I met my son. And then I kind of came to, and, you know, five or 10 minutes later, and, and I walked him over to to Pete, to his dad, and I let them meet and have their moment. But um, it's it's a moment that I've had three of the best, my best moments of my life have been the birth of my son, the birth of my daughter, and the first time I held Henry. Awesome, awesome. 
were you, uh, maybe uh, people listening to this might be thinking the same thing. Were you able to name him? Did she oh, already give him a name? Yes. Yeah. No, I skipped over that part. Um, right when we walked in the room, uh, almost immediately after the flowers and the hugging, uh, our birth mom looked at us kind of apologetically and said, I'm sorry. Um, I haven't been able to come up with a name for him. And people might be wondering too, if she was a young girl or she, she wasn't, she was um, in her later thirties or sorry, twenties. So she, we're dealing with a, a grown woman here. And she said, you know, I'm sorry. I haven't been able to think of a name for him. And we said, Oh, Oh no, that's okay. And, and um, honestly, I was, I was kind of relieved. I wanted to have a fresh slate to, to name my son. But if she had named him, you know, that's part of the process for birth moms sometimes too. So that, uh, that would be absolutely okay and beautiful too. But um, Pete and I said, oh, we, we have, um, we want to name him Henry after um, Pete's grandfather who was uh, in World War II and was a paratrooper and was a hero and, and really good to Pete. And she said, that's perfect. That's perfect for him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so what is your relationship like now with your son's birth mom? You, you were able to stay in contact. Did you talk about the contact that you'd have at that point? Or maybe that was too soon just meeting her? How did you establish your relationship and and work on your relationship? We, um, we did talk about it that day. And in California, I forget the name of the document there, but there's basically something that's an agreement. Uh, between the adoptive parents and the birth parents. It's not legal, it's not binding, um, but there is, it's filed with the courts, and it's basically a document that says what level of contact do you both want, have you agreed on? And um, so we had done that, and basically we, both parties said, you know, we're open to contact in the future, nothing about this ever needs to remain a secret, um, you'll always know where we are, and our son will always know who his birth parents are. But And we did pictures and, and emails at the beginning, but our our contact now is pretty minimal. Her her life is still pretty turbulent and um, not a life that, that you would want kids in. But there's no secrets. You know, I imagine, how I always imagine it is that someday when um, Henry's older, he'll be curious and, and they'll get to know each other, meet each other again then. Awesome. So completely different than you growing up as an adoptee. Oh, completely different, <laughs> completely different. And, and that's why I wanted to write the book um, too, is because my son's adoption ended up being such a full circle for our family. After he'd been home for, uh, I think nine months, something um, happened to me that I, I, would have never happened had we not adopted. And that is, I decided to find my birth mom because I'd met so many birth moms. I'd met eight, you know, in the right. past year. And I'd always been really scared to find mine because what would I find, you know, and, and I had these horrible, scary images of, um, you know, maybe like a, like a trailer trash kind of lady trying to like pull me into her family and, you know, just dragged me into a family that I wouldn't feel like with my family because I, I have a family. I'm adopted. My family, my adoptive family is my family, full stop, period. 
um, you know, I would never call them my adoptive family except in a conversation like this where there's, I need to, you know, explain, but, um, yeah, it was so different from my own adoption. So I found my birth mom. Uh, it was pretty easy. Laws had just changed in Washington state. And so I was really able to just request my, my birth certificate and, uh, plug her name into Facebook. And I found her and, and it was all my reunion story with my birth mom is really wonderful. She'd always wondered about me. She wanted to know me. She, the the trailer trash image I had couldn't have been farther from the truth. She was a (laughs) professional in marketing and still working and had built her own home and, um, really successful, really lovely woman. And so, yeah, very, but, but had I not done that, had I not reached out and tried to find her, I would have, you know, just grown old and eventually died. And I would have never known who gave birth to me, um, why she gave me up, who my birth father was, my, my, um, biological heritage, my medical history, all of that stuff that why adopt, open adoption is so important. I, I would have known none of that. Yeah. And thank God that, uh, Washington state, you said Washington state changed her laws and yes, allowed yep. you to even look at your own birth certificate, which is just mind boggling. Why, uh, any state yes. would leave that closed. Um, it's your own birth certificate. It just blows yes. my mind. So I'm glad they changed the laws and you're able to do that. Cause that's just freeing for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and to that point, 50, uh, 50% of the states still don't allow adoptees yeah, to ever crazy. see their own birth certificate. It's crazy. Yeah, we need to work to change that. Uh, and your story, stories yeah. just like this, or what changes that's, uh, you know, get people thinking like, wait a minute, why are they closed? Why can't we change that? So maybe the right person yeah. listening to this will be able to affect your own state and your own adoption laws in your state and get those birth records opened back up. So. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing that. That's a huge part of your story. And I know in your book, you go into way more detail than we've discussed here, which is fabulous. And yeah. I, I, yes. I know anybody touched by adoption should get your book because it's going to be an amazing perspective on so many levels. Uh, but what's it like for you and your family now? So your son's now, you said, I'm sorry, six. Is that right? Yes. yes. Yeah, he's six. So what's your family like now as your, your, your biological children obviously had to receive him into your family. And uh, I guess let's start with that. What was it like when they uh, first, uh, you brought Henry home and how did they receive him and all that? How'd that go? Yeah, it was a non-issue when we brought Henry home. Um, you know, they had grown up, they, at the time they were only five and three. And so we weren't even sure how much our three-year-old knew you know, what was actually going on, but we had talked about it. You know, we, a baby will be coming into our family. We have no, and the hardest part for them is we had no idea when, you know, it could be tomorrow. <laughs> it could be two years from now. And, you know, it could be a boy, it could be a girl. And, um, just, ex- we always just use the most open language. Like another woman is going to grow the baby in her tummy and then she'll give us the baby. So we always just talked about it. I would say, so when, when Henry actually came home, it was just a non, nothing. It was just as if, you know, I'd given birth to him. And now that they're growing up, now there are more things to talk about. Like just in adoption in general, the language around it and, and understanding it. Like the other day, 
we were writing our thank you notes for Christmas gifts, and my 11-year-old was writing a thank you note to my birth mom, who sends them gifts, and she's just wonderful. <laughs> and so he was sitting there, and he asked me, what are you to her? I, do I say you're her daughter, or do I use the word birth daughter? And I told him, you know, it's a great question, honey. You could use either one. She would be fine with either one. I'm fine with either one. And some things like that have come up now that um, with Henry, too, where we were at a Girl Scout meeting once, and, and it came up that Kate's little brother was adopted. And one of the little girls said, oh, so he's like a stepbrother, or, or he's not your real brother. And <laughs> as their mom, I know my face just flushed red you know, <laughs> with fury over that statement because any any adoptive family would tell you it's it's all exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're the real mom. He's our real son. Um, my mom's my real mom. So part of that, too, I hope conversations, well, of course, you're doing it, Tim. It's just normalizing adoption and putting it out there for people so that it's not something that's seen as, you know, families who are different because um, we're not. The love is identically the same. The attachment, the the rage when you feel somebody might hurt your baby is the same. <laughs> so, yeah, we're now we're dealing more with the fact that, you know, biological versus adopted. But, but when he came home, it was really, it was nothing. It was just our baby. Yeah, that's, that's fabulous. Uh, I know you probably have a million tips and I, mean, I know you shared some of the books, but could you share just some tips that you'd love to have hopeful adoptive parents? So somebody listening to this that are either considering adoption, thinking about it, maybe they've already started the process, but what tips could you give them after you've been through everything you've been through? Yeah, I do. I have two tips and the first would be, you know, whatever books you read to help you, you know, figure out how you're going to market yourself, how you're going to find your birth mom. Just get over whatever embarrassment or, you know, there might even be for some, for some of us out there, like shame involved with uh, adoption. You know, um, if you've, if you've gone through infertility and I know some families like grandparents aren't always the most welcoming Get over that as fast as you can and just do all the things that make you scared to try to find your baby. Because I was absolutely mortified to put on Facebook that we were looking for a baby and that I needed help to find a son or a daughter. It was mortifying. I, I just, I always like, like we all do on Facebook, I like to appear competent and my life is great and I don't need help from anyone. So to put out there, I'm desperate for a baby can some of you please help me? Like, can you, can you look around at people, you know, or talk to people, you know, and tell them about the masters and I, I'll be a great mom. And <laughs> I, I was so scared to do that. And then once I did, I was overwhelmed with love and support. Like people, you know, my second grade person who sat next to me and, you know, my third grade teacher and the person I went to the gym with poured love, like, give me your flyers, send me 10. Oh, hairdressers posting it up so they see you know 10 people a day they tape it on their mirror for me so get over that fear because at first I was very embarrassed to put myself out there and um, I was rewarded hugely when I did and then the second one Tim you and I talked about this um, a little bit 
prior to the the podcast, but our um, baby was what would be considered mildly drug exposed. And I would say to anyone when you're, you know, you're first making the decision on what you will and won't accept in birth mom behavior, do not limit yourself by saying no drug exposure or no alcohol exposure if you think that's within your limits at all. Because if we had done that, we would have missed out on our perfect son. And I mean, he's perfect. He, he's a thriving, smart kindergartner, loving, kind, open, funny. And, but he was drug exposed. So I feel like there's such a fear of that. I was certainly afraid of it. And I write deeply about this in the book. So I would just say, don't check it off your list as an absolute no. Just take each birth mom opportunity as it comes and decide as they come up. And I know that also sounds crazy if you're just starting the process because you can't imagine that you might have eight women you might talk to, <laughs> but you really might. And and you really might have one that you just know is not going to work, And which I had never imagined. There, there might be a woman that would call me that I would say no to, but that did happen. They just knew it wasn't a match for us. And so uh, just keep all your options open and, and take them one at a time. Great stuff. Yeah, that's great stuff. You just alluded to some things that I'm sure people are had more questions about. What do you mean? What do you mean this lady that you said to say no to? Well, you're gonna have to, some of the stuff you're gonna have to wait and get out of her book because there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of stories I know are included in that book that we can't possibly go to you know, through in a podcast. But uh, yeah, I just want to thank sure. you for coming on the show for writing your book. I mean, I know it's not an easy thing to do is, is pour out your heart, your stories, your thoughts, your memoirs on into a book. And I yeah. thank you for doing that because I think it's going to touch a lot of people and it's going to help a lot of people. And you're already doing it right now just in sharing your story on the, sh on the show. So thank you for coming on and doing that. Oh, Tim, thank you so much. It's, a, it's The adoption community is a great one to be involved in. And every time I talk about it or write about it, I feel closer to all of you too. So thank you for having me on. Yes. And where can people go to follow you and uh, get more um, notice about your book and when it's coming out and all that? The best two places where I'll always post um, updates on when my book is coming out and where you can buy it are um, my website, which is denisemasser.org. And then also my Facebook page, Denise Masser. I'll, I'll keep updates on there too. And your last name is M-A-S-S-A-R. Correct. Okay. And we'll put up those links in the show notes, like I said before, infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 67. This is episode 67. Or you can just go to the website and type in Denise in the search and you'll find her too there. So it'll be easy to get uh, a link to her website and, and follow her. I rec highly recommend you doing that. It's going to be an awesome book. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, I had so much fun talking with Denise. She did a great job sharing her heart through her story. I'm sure you can hear her emotion and her uh, passion. And I just highly encourage you to go follow her over on social media. You know, you can go to Facebook. She's on Instagram, Twitter, and especially her website, denisemasser.org. It's D-E-N-I-S-E-M-A-S-S-A-R.org. I will have all the highlights and links into today's show notes at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 67. So in the interview, you probably heard us mention adoption profiles and 
And, you know, that's where you share what your life is like through a printable book or through a PDF book that you can email to your agency or to attorneys and just try to make that connection with expectant moms through words and photos about your life. So I wanted you to know, and if you haven't heard yet, but there's a thing called profile videos. So these videos are something you can create that basically have a they provide a better connection, even a more important connection, I, I think. So through our three adoptions, they made a huge impact on our kids' as birth parents. And why is that? Because videos are just more relatable. You can hear someone's voice. You can hear their mannerisms. It just feels more personal. You know, and online videos are just so much more shareable now. People love to watch them. They're all over your, your feeds on your social media. And, you know, I, I think they're just hugely popular and fun to watch. Easy to watch on your phone which is important for expectant moms who are looking through a bunch of profiles. If they see a video, it's so easy to just click on it and listen and watch a couple like you want to make a connection with them. So if you're on the fence about doing a video, I would say try it. Just go for it. See what it looks like. See what it feels like. And I have a course that I've made for you. Online course you can take at your own pace. It's easy. And I follow you through it step by step. And you can get help directly from me if you would like to make your video and it's over at adoptionprofilevideo.com go get started there there's three free videos if you wanted to see how i train and how i do things through video i give you some tips through those three free videos and through email but if you want to get started right away there's a buy now button it's pretty cheap you can get started right now and start making your video and make that connection happen. So thank you for listening to me today, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Until next time, you are in my prayers as you go on your journey to build your family through infant adoption. God bless. See you next time. Thanks for listening to my dad.